0: hi i'm elizabeth lord hi i'm zoe bell and we're your friendly neighborhood sex workers from the sexy salacious and sometimes shitty city of toronto we have big boobs big hearts big brains and we're here to bring you a podcast on arts community and culture from the perspective of sex workers by sex workers for sex workers this is tart with a heart everyone happy new year this is elizabeth and ah we made it we made it to 2021 (laughs) how are you doing zoe
1: this this new year Uh, you know the meme with the fire and then the dog? Yes. And he just says, everything is fine. This is fine. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. how I feel. (laughs) I relate to that so much. I I keep thinking about how there were all
0: those like posts at the end of the year last year um, saying that like, oh my God, thank God 2020 is almost over. This year has been a disaster as if everything would just like go back to some sort of normal on January 1st. And I feel like we had six days before there was a
1: coup. (laughs) Before there was a coup like a cataclysmic national international event
0: <laughs> like the most embarrassing coup <laughs>
1: the most ridiculous coup <laughs> oh my god yeah it's yeah it's upsetting i mean it's upsetting in that you know any you know seeing any i think type of violence is like upsetting and potentially triggering but it's also like the fact that it wasn't violent the fact that it was so like It's so like the fact that they face like no repercussions for their actions and like seeing images and videos of like cops like taking selfies and like letting them in. And like on one hand, it's like the fact that it is so transparent like white supremacist white power in action is almost useful to point at and be like yeah especially in comparison to like the peaceful like black lives matter protests like it's very which are called riots right. but this was called a protest right yeah yeah right and it's it's like very clear the rhetoric that's being like used um which i yeah. think is kind of useful in at least poking holes in. You know, like harmful rhetoric and that, you know, blue lives matter and all that shit. Like, you know, like it's it's upsetting to witness it. But at the same time, um, it's very illuminating. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you would think so but I think that one thing I'm learning is that like you can only be like illuminated if you want to be because like I tweeted yesterday that like it, it was wild that it took this long for someone to get shot during this like literal coup when like a black woman can get shot in her bed for no reason right and yeah. then someone commented under, underneath it and they were like oh I knew someone would bring race into this and I was like what are you talking
1: about there are literal white supremacy <laughs> yeah of course yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's, if anything, it's probably emboldened white supremacists, right? We can storm the fucking capital, and nothing's going to happen to us. Like, yeah. Right? Yeah, I agree with you. But
0: speaking of like being emboldened... There's another thing that's been like irritating a lot of us more on like the sex work side of Twitter, which is like this new uh, movie that's being created. Um, it's called, oh, what's, it's a horrible title. <laughs> it's, um, so <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad.
1: What is it? Sell by date? Yeah. So it's, it's a pun on growth. Yes. So it's sell by date spelled like sell and then buy as in B U um, I. And so obviously they're making a pun of like grocery store sell by dates, except, they're talking about sex work it's, it's like, yeah they're talking about sex work. it's like a very weirdly dehumanizing uh title to talk about sex workers like it's very strange <laughs> Well,
0: immediately it's saying that we're not
1: people, we're products. Yes, immediately, of course. Yeah, it's trying to make a cute little pun without, like, thinking of the ramifications of how much that objectifies and dehumanizes, like, sex work. Yeah, so, like, a little bit of a rundown on what this is. So, Sell
0: By Date uh, was originally a one-woman play written by Sarah Jones, who is an American playwright. Uh, She's African-American. She's biracial, born to an African-American father, and her mom is Euro-American and Caribbean. um, And so she was raised in Boston, um, in New York, and was born in Baltimore. And basically, she wrote this play called Sell by Date. Sell by Date is a one-woman play about the sex industry, um, and she portrays like nineteen characters. And it's like set in the future, where she's a British sociology, so so. Oh my God, sociology, sociology. God, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I don't need to laugh.
1: I'm just exhausted. <laughs>
0: no, it's okay. I'm just like, oh, anyways. Basically, she's a professor and she lectures her students about the sex industry and they have like this technology that is like kind of confusing, but basically she becomes like these 19 characters and talks about sex work.
1: And Sarah Jones is not a sex worker correct? She's not a sex worker,
0: or if she is or has been, she has never stated it publicly. And I understand that that would be, that's complicated, right? Because there are dangers to being a sex worker. And I get that 100%. But I do think that when you're in this position where you've gotten a Tony for your work, I think that if you're going to make work about sex workers, you need to be transparent about why you're doing that.
1: Yeah, she claims that she's, you know, consulting us and, you know, that she's listening to us. But all of her statements have been very, very, very vague. So I guess we should also say that like one of the reason that this is so controversial is partially because who she's producing the project with. That's part yes. of it where it feels like she's hasn't done her research properly because the project is backed by it's executive produced by Meryl Streep, Rashida Jones and Laverne Cox was one of the executive producers but due to pressure from sex workers ha- has pulled out as of yesterday.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't say pressure because I feel like that makes it seem like we like bullied her I think it's due to outrage I think she recognized that she had made a mistake and that this was going to
1: be harmful right which is what we which is what most people tweeting at her was saying that that, hey this will be harmful you know please don't do this Mm -hmm. please we love you please like and but like the statement that she issued was not exactly like an apology it was more I don't want to deal with outrage and backlash so I'm pulling out which Mm -hmm. it's like it's a good thing that she listened and she did pull out like I think that's at least a crumb of solidarity like at least you listened but it's not she didn't make like a a statement of solidarity with sex workers or anything like that like let's not give her too much credit but
0: but I do think that I personally have more patience for Laverne than I do for Rashida or Meryl just because I feel like for Laverne like being a trans woman on the internet who's that visible is already like that's daily harassment Mm -hmm. Um, no matter how like love she is. Right. Um, And so I feel like someone like that has a lot less protection than like Meryl Streep. And so I'm like, okay, being patient and like hoping that she comes back with a a better response, especially because like within sex work, like trans women suffer the most, Mm. right? Black and indigenous trans women suffer the most. And I know that she knows that. (laughs) So I can understand her needing to take a break. But Rashida and Meryl have no excuse. This is not their first time. They're
1: repeat offenders when it comes to sex worker discourse, like labor rights, just fucking, just Mm -hmm. fucking up like left, right and center. Yeah and they've been called in before yeah for sure and and they've already harmed people they've already do, do you know what I mean where it's like and like i think we can complicate the narrative too of like someone like Over and Cox even being in the position to like executive produce and back like another person of color is like that in and of itself could be celebrated if in a vacuum, but like unfortunately it's with this project. <laughs> like yeah. in any other context, we would be like, woo, like yay, like you know, it could be mm-hmm. it could be a thing to celebrate, but unfortunately there's nuance to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we should talk a little bit about like what Rashida and Merrill did,
1: and then we could talk a bit about what Sarah Jones is doing? Yeah, that's a good good idea. <laughs> so yeah, like, why are they? Uh, what's the problem? They seem to be helpful. They want to they want to help us, right? <laughs> I'm so disappointed. As like a theater person and a
0: film person, like Meryl Streep, how could you do this to me?
1: <laughs> <I'm so laughs> okay. I know I take this way too personally. I know <laughs> it's so upsetting. It is really upsetting. I love Meryl. Um, so Rashida Jones. Made a documentary for Netflix in, was it 2015?
0: 2017 oh okay so she was the producer behind hot girls wanted which was a 2015 documentary and then it was spun into a netflix docuseries in 2017
1: got it so that project which if you've seen it is very problematic and pathologizes and victimizes sex work uh very heavily i actually have not seen the whole thing because i got five minutes into it and i was like this is gross um (laughs) the the way it was just talking about the women i was like this is really nasty like swerve like victimizing stuff but the the main problem with it in terms of actual harm being done is that it outed um, a couple sex workers um, and they didn't make amends to those sex workers not only did they not make amends they outright like
0: denied that they breached any boundaries
1: yeah so like one of the performers Gia Page um, when talking about this new project sell by date was immediately like um, hey Rashida Jones actions led to me being outed and caused me harm like why is she anywhere near this project and like how that's kind of a signal that like the creatives behind this project really haven't listened to sex workers or are educated about sex worker issues because you would you would know to like maybe not partner with someone like that if you wanted to like show solidarity behind your sex worker project um, <laughs> like automatic we're just distrustful of anything of this project as like a whole. Just by even regardless of the other stuff that we're going to get into, just by even Rashida's like involvement is immediately like a oh, flag. <laughs> like and Meryl too, because Meryl like supported sesta Fosta and like came, like criticized Amnesty International for supporting decriminalization. Yeah, I was saying that information is not hard to find. No, like like Meryl Streep literally was like, if you do decrim, you're going to legalize pimps
0: okay Meryl <laughs> yeah, you sound informed like <laughs> yeah so. and like the docu-series Hot Girls Wanted was like harshly criticized by sex workers and sex worker rights advocates because it was like clearly like anti-adult industry and it like constantly conflated like consensual work with trafficking and so like all of this information is out there and I don't I feel like <laughs> like I feel like, like I understand like within the arts it's hard to get especially when you're coming from a theater background it's hard to get um, film studios to attach themselves to your projects. And to me, this feels insidious because that information is so visible. It feels like they were prioritizing their own careers and like furthering their own personal agendas. And they don't actually care about sex workers and like advocacy
1: for us. It's not about us at all. Yeah, it feels like it's for clout. And all the articles, yeah, all the articles I've seen and everything they've seen, like they've said from as of two days ago, um, <laughs> basically, basically is them being very vague and not really demonstrating that they understand the difference between traffic. Like it's, it feels like it's, they're making the same mistakes. Like all the articles I've read for this project used terms like prostituted women and they're the main, what was it? The main, the main question of the movie is like is sex work empowering or not and it's like that is the oldest no other profession gets asked this motherfucker (laughs) right Like that to me was like a big sign that they don't know
0: what they're doing. Because if you listen to sex workers, if you even glance at like sex workers, social media, you would know that that is not the question you should be asking. That's not even a question that should be even like, it's not important whether this job is empowering. What's important is that this job is seen as a job and that we are safe. Yeah, that we're, our labor rights are taken
1: seriously. Right? They're definitely trying to push this as like a, it's like a, um. No, which it's upsetting too, because they're trying to push how intersectional it is. But it's not. Like, they're just pushing this as, like, solely, like, this is not just, like
0: about, like, what, like g- girl power. It's not a girl power thing. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, we're not trying to do girl box. <laughs> yeah, we're not in lean-in feminism over here. Like, it's just kind of, it's like nakedly hollow. Like, it means nothing. Like, I, I think, I guess, okay, I want to break down a very, very short little timeline. So, what happened was this project got announced. Uni- unanimously, sex workers on Twitter were like, what are you doing? This has a million flags. We do not support this project. It sounds very suspicious um because also all the articles were like we're interviewing i mean i guess we're going to interview sex workers but we're also going to interview experts and celebrities and it's like why <laughs> no what, what do celebrities have to like i that feels like bella thorne it feels like they're going to interview bella thorne
0: for her one only fan scam <laughs> i don't know
1: yeah it just it just felt like there were so many flags of like okay this project doesn't really have its heart or head in the right place even though it's claiming to like want to humanize us it just sounds like they're doing it for clout so this project got announced unanimously everyone's like no please don't um and then uh liver and cox pulled out and then Sarah Jones issued a statement about, oh, I appreciate everyone who, you know, has concerns about how folks in the sex industry will be represented, but I promise you as like a black feminist artist that like I'm going to do a good job, but like there was nothing to demonstrate no. that they understood, that she understood no. <laughs> like labor rights or like yeah, yeah. it was just platitudes. It was just like, just trust me. <laughs> it <was> like, yeah, <laughs> we will not trust you. And
0: also I'm like, upset because like that that part that you said wasn't even the whole thing the first part of it was like oh my god thank you everybody who supports me and like it's overwhelming the amount of love I'm getting for this
1: project and it was like (laughs) okay you look at all the twitter responses it's not bad it's just people being critical it's sex workers like flooding it and being critical it's like one civilian going like I loved this (laughs) play And, like, like, also, like,
0: being, like, Black, like, I'm also kind of, like, watching to make sure that no, like, like non-Black sex workers are stepping out of their lane, because I am conscious of the fact that this is, like, a Black artist, and, like, I want to, like, like with Laverne, have more patience, and, like, trust that this is not, like, talking to, God, Bella Thorne. <laughs>
1: uh, or Meryl,
0: or Rashida. It's just, or Meryl, or Rashida. But it's just, like, even Rashida, I'm like, please, Rashida, change. But, like, you fucked up so many times. But, like, it's just infuriating to me to see her kind of be like, I'm a black feminist artist. And like I've always tried to like center people, like marginalized people in my work. When like when we were reading that her playbill that um an interview that she did with let me find the name of the person. I think it was like Carolyn. Mm. Uh an interview she did with Carolyn Cantor. And just like listening to her responses, I was just like, you're not like you're calling yourself a feminist but you're not actually taking a stance mm-hmm. it's,
1: and that's dangerous it's so vague all the language is so empowerment feminism women's bodies okay. but there's nothing concrete actually being said and like constantly yeah. it feels like constantly flipping back and forth between like trafficking mm-hmm. issues and like consensual sex work it's like very bizarre like that's not the same subject they're related but like those
0: are different things yeah the way that they talk about sex work and trafficking to me sounds like someone trying to say that all sex is rape right it's like
1: oh god it's so it was it was upsetting to just read do more research and just see that like because like the language is so vague that like anyone could interpret it any way so she's essentially dodging criticism like she's essentially (laughs) she's just kind of trying to look out for her own brand (laughs) it doesn't feel like
0: that because in that response she's like it feels like she's like weaponizing the fact that she's like a black feminist artist and like a woman and be like but don't worry like I would never do the harmful thing but it's like you are doing the harmful thing we're telling you this is harmful and instead of being like yeah I hear that and I'm going to reassess it's like no I'm gonna do a good job don't worry and it's like but I am worried I read your interview
1: I'm worried (laughs) yeah I mean even even just the press release was like so worrying where it's like sex work on sex work is uh sex work issues need a lot of fucking Precision in discussing them because we get misrepresented so often, and because when we are misrepresented, actual harm happens. Like it's one of those things where it's like we want to leave room for nuance, but unfortunately, like the like decrim is the way. This like there are certain things when you're talking about sex work issues that you do need to like to show solidarity. You kind of do need to take like a hardline stance, and like unless you're not trying to actually play to sex workers, which I don't think this. Project is. That's
0: I not know. what she's doing. No, this is not for sex workers. This is for other people, right? And it's like, know your audience. If you don't take a stance with people who already, due to like the world that we live in, are conditioned to be biased against sex work to see us all as victims and incapable of like consent and like agency, you have to take a stance. The nuance is for when everybody's on board with decrim. Like right now, we're just trying to get people on like the basic level of seeing us as people who are capable of making our own decisions and deserving of a safe place to work. And like, clearly even this
1: playwright is not there. Right. And she claims that she wants to, you know, humanize us and, you know, do all these things for us. And it's like, but there's no evidence of that. Like people on Twitter, because people were very, are very angry and did some deep dives and they were like, she doesn't follow any mutual aids. She doesn't follow any orgs. She doesn't follow any sex workers. She doesn't like, do you know what I mean? Where it's like, these are some really Upsetting flags and like even the playbill you sent me the playbill for the play uh, where she where she got interviewed and it's like the origins of this process pro, uh, this project started started with like tr- trafficking victims in like South Korea no from like World War Two <laughs> and then she's like that inspired me can, can I suggest I like, that we read through some of those oh yeah those questions we absolutely yeah for sure
0: okay. Um, so, I think you have a better reading voice than I do. Okay. So, do you want to read her responses and I'll read the question because it's shorter?
1: Sure. Um, just give me one second to pull it up, though. Uh, okay.
0: Twiddle my thumbs. Sex work is work. <laughs> it's like transition music. I love yeah. it.
1: <laughs> do, 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 do. Phenomena. <laughs> okay. Do you see. want me to send it to you? No, I got it. Okay. okay. So, this was. Um, so, this is like. It's like the official playbill, right? For the play. Yeah. So I
0: think this was uh, probably a playbill that I gave out. Let me actually, oh my God, I just made it full screen. Um, so this is, I think it's called, God, don't drag me theater people. (laughs) So it's called Geffen Playhouse. (laughs) I found it on geffenplayhouse.org. Um, and this was the Los Angeles premiere of Sell By Date. It was in 2018. Um, it was directed. So the directors who interviewed her, so the director is Carolyn Cantor, Cantor, um, And the overview of this play, as they stated, is that it's like an exuberant new show inspired by the real life experiences of people affected by the sex industry.
1: Oh, God. Oh, it's so- I'm rereading. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm rereading it already and I'm angry. <laughs> I know. Um, um, so let me let me open it. And so. Sorry? No, guys? I was just going to say the first question. Literally the first one. Yes, I read mean it. Yeah,
0: it's so upsetting. <laughs> so Carolyn asks Sarah, Sarah, would you begin by saying a little bit about how you
1: arrived at the subject matter for the show? Sarah Jones. Since I've spent my life in a woman's body, I've noticed the really uneven and unfair conversation about women's sexuality and women's empowerment. Whenever I went to the theater and saw a piece about prostitution... Or trafficking or something that was really at the nexus of women's power and sexuality i always felt dehumanization was the dominant experience and i thought what would it look like to give audiences a humanizing experience of thinking about this so-called oldest profession <sighs> so already very vague very like borderline conflation of trafficking and prostitution even using the word prostitution i think is a flag that's yep. the criminalized term in us politics for like sex work so she's already framing it in a in a Uh, in a criminalized way, which is like... (laughs) yeah it's very disappointing you're right she's like conflating it it's it's already kind of
0: like veering towards like sex work is an issue about women's empowerment because she's talking about like women's power and sexuality and like i I just i can i can feel it going
1: yeah it feels like she's being very vague with her language of like talking about for example like if you want to talk about women's empowerment sure let's talk about women's historical like bodily right to bodily autonomy Mm -hmm. okay what's what's the next one the other one that i was really interested
0: in was, can you talk a little bit about when you started working on this piece? Okay. Sarah,
1: Sarah Jones. I've been doing research for this, like every woman in this room, since I was 12. As soon as you're aware of your sexuality and the messages of either hiding it or putting it forward or shaming it. But the earnest research began in 2011. I went with Gloria Steinem and a group of American feminists to meet with feminists in South Korea and learn about the so-called quote unquote comfort women. These are the last living examples of women who had been conscripted into the Japanese army as though they were artillery or uh, uh, artillery, sorry, or objects for the soldiers to use. As you can imagine, the brutality of their stories was unspeakable. I literally got to sleep over in the house where they were living and I thought, I have to write this. Their stories actually didn't end up in the script, but they informed my work. All the red flags. (laughs) So that's trafficking is what she's talking about. Yes,
0: not sex work, Not at all. I also also don't even like using the term like consensual sex work. If it's sex work, it has to be consensual. Just like there's no consensual sex and non-consensual
1: sex. Non-consensual sex is just rape. Right. Yes, of course. It's just putting like a shiny rhetoric on like what it is. A quick Wikipedia search that I just
0: did literally writes that comfort women were women and girls who were forced into
1: sexual slavery. Yeah, during a military occupation, like, a hundred years ago.
0: Already, it's very clear that she doesn't know what sex work is if she thinks that comfort women, based on what she's learned,
1: are also sex workers. (laughs) Like, not, and, like, I don't want to, obviously, we don't want to downplay that trafficking is a huge issue and is still a global, yeah, it's still a global problem. It is, it is a women's rights problem. I'm not trying to downplay that. It's just, it's upsetting to see uh, the lack of precision and the lack of like clarity of what she's even like talking about especially because she's like the sentence before she's talking about how unspeakable it is she's also talking about like N- being sh- not being shamed and being empowered. And it's like, it's like a very strange juxtaposition. It also
0: kind of feels, uh, I the word is not like, maybe it is voyeuristic, but there's a word there that kind of means that it's like, you're kind of getting like, a, like a, a sick kind of like fascination and joy from something that's actually painful for someone else. Like when she says, I literally got to sleep over in the house they were living. I'm like, that's, you got to? It's poverty porn. It's like trauma porn. Yeah, you're so right. Which other people have criticized her. Yeah. Right? And it's like, I don't want someone who is like getting off like trauma porn. Like, I don't want that connected to my experience in sex work because yes, there's trauma within my experience of sex work. But if that's what you're looking for, like if hearing about these women who were forced into sexual slavery is what makes you think that you need to write about sex work, like I, I'm going to need you to explain that a bit.
1: <laughs> it's also so upsetting because later she also say, says, like, um, I've come to see that the choice for work to not be political or to not make a statement is in itself a political statement. It's saying, I don't feel any urgency. I don't feel any responsibility and like she then she says but to not use the megaphone I have and say hey is everyone seeing what I'm seeing here would actually be the kind of myopia that has landed us where we are now like once again it's like really good rhetoric but like what are you actually saying like you're you're saying it's an issue we need to talk about great we're already talking about it if you listened (laughs) (laughs) like and also like what is your stance like you still haven't shown us your opinion (laughs) yeah exactly Yeah, exactly. It's, like, very pretty rhetoric of, like, I'm being political. Okay, what's your political stance? Uh, we need to talk about it. Great. (laughs) Okay, so what are you saying about it? Yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's just all feels like platitudes and, like, oh, man. Yeah, we were just very unimpressed by looking into her in terms of, like, what she actually has to say, which is not very much. Yeah, like it's it's covert and I, I'm sure No, I'm not sure I, I can't
0: speak for her and I can't hope for better. I can only do what with what's in front of me. And like this is just very disappointing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, especially that idea of like, she has to be the one. Do you know what I mean? That arrogance of like, well, I'm the one who has to say something. Where it's like, <laughs> speak. <laughs> yeah, it feel, that's what this whole project feels like. It feels like people, celebrities like talking over us.
0: Exactly. You know, everybody's trying to pull a bell of and it's like, why does it have to be you? And it's like, okay, so you have the platform, you have the money. You do know that you can offer your platform to someone who's more informed, offer your money to someone who's more informed and be in the back and be part of this beautiful thing that happened and needed to happen, but it doesn't have to be your face. You do know that, right? Like my like I really hope that they take the backlash and don't I don't want them to do like the white man corporate thing which is like when you get called out it's like oh well I guess I can't say anything anymore and I should just run away and like hide and the project will never happen like no 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 no. don't do that that's cowardly my hope is that they take this backlash and they're like okay we wanted to do a thing it's still an important thing but we're not doing it well so how about we take our resources and we give them to sex workers who can do it better than we could possibly do it who wouldn't like I don't know write the it's about is sex work exploitation or is it empowering? Who cares?
1: It's like that is well that the best part about all the articles was it's like this brand new spin on the sex industry is it empowering or not? And it's like that is the oldest it's only new to you because you're new to the conversation. The conversations that they're saying are new we see on Twitter every day we see on Instagram. One thing that is new is that because of Twitter we actually have platforms and we can just say whatever the fuck we want so you know they've got Nothing but you know people trying to educate them and correct them on Twitter. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so it's nice that on one hand we can very clearly use our platforms to point at the hypocrisy and the ignorance and the issues that we're seeing. But it still doesn't mean that like they're going to change their mind either. It's like upsetting. It's like it's nice to be able to mobilize that way and put pressure on like people in the dominant culture. But at the same time, like you know, in terms of the. But, like, what one person said something like, why don't you not make any money off this then? Like, how about you donate all the money to, like, mutual aids from this movie? Like, and how about you put that back into the community? Like, actually back up what you're saying that you want to help us. That makes me, that reminds me of, like, how with Hustlers... Um,
0: that thing happened where they were making this film about sex workers and in the making of
1: this film displaced actual sex workers who needed to access their club to make money. This is one of the reasons why representation tends to get criticized as like an empowerment tool. Representation is helpful. Even poor representation still depicts it as existing. But like it doesn't mean that there were like ethical production practices or like, you know, who actually benefits from the piece, especially if it's spreading miscarriage. In terms of media studies, representation is not the end all and be all.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, poor representation can also have like devastating consequences, though, right? Like it can result in like danger. It can like result in like different laws being passed that don't actually serve us. It can result in people dying. I don't think they actually understand the responsibility
1: that they have as artists because like people will listen to them. Yeah, you're still you're still responsible. Also, why would sex workers trust? You know, it's like we've been burned before like why on earth would we trust that you have our best interests at heart especially with all these flags <laughs>
0: Exactly, like all the people who were involved like Meryl, Rashida, uh, Sarah Jones and Laverne they all know what it's like to be a marginalized person and so they also know what it's like to not have trust for people in power who are like we're gonna do this thing for you don't worry so like th- I feel like that's why at least for me it's like more painful because it's like you guys should know better like you should all know better
1: yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit before performing. I think it's a it's a huge problem in feminism. mean, it's like how like Republican women will throw other women under the bus to like get power in their social sphere. Um, There's a there's a really good show called Mrs. America that's about that. And it's about like in group, out group mentality and about how like different feminists like mobilize and stuff. It's really good. But in this case, these are Hollywood actresses and they have to look like they're very important people and relevant and. And, you know, they have issues that they care about because they can't just be actors. They have to look like they have causes, right? Like, that's a very big part of, like, brand management, I think, as a celebrity. And especially as, like, a female celebrity, I think you have to look like, you gotta take me seriously. So, but then they pick causes and then they put on this, like, savior attitude. Then they just cause further harm. Like, like someone like Meryl, who's, like, trying to argue with Amnesty, dig into our guns
0: and is just like, nope, I got it. Nope. No, you're wrong. Amnesty, you're the the wrong one. Um, not I,
1: Meryl Streep. Meryl like, Streep, like, you're you're disagreeing with Amnesty International about human rights. It just comes across as, like, them trying to to gain clout for their own brand of, like, see, I have women's issues that I care about, but then they're not educated and they're not, like, they're not helping and they're harming. I feel like it's
0: also, perhaps, again, not trying to make excuses for people, but I think about the ways in which, like, the way that, like, society is built now when it comes to, like, accountability, everything Thing is punitive so it's like if you make a mistake if you cause harm you're out of the community you're reprimanded in some way you're punished right i was thinking about this a lot like last year when i got into that fight with that agency owner because that was like a period where i just had just like uh learned pretty intensely about transformative justice and so like i was really in that mindset of just like like you can call people in and like if they come in you know they've come in and we can like move forward and all i kept seeing then with the person i was arguing with and all i'm seeing now is people People being afraid that if they admit that they fucked up, they lose everything. Part of that is like self-preservation. And we collectively need to like move out of that mindset because like you can be wrong. You can make a mistake. You can cause harm. And sometimes all you have to do is be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll do better next time. Or let me readjust. And everybody will be like, oh, thank God.
1: Thank you. That's all
0: we wanted. Moving
1: on. Just do the accountability work of decentering and yourself. And um, Brene Brown uh, has this quote about social justice, which is she's cribbing from Audra Wards The Master's Tools, which is you can't use the master's tools to dismantle the master's house, which is essentially what you're talking about, which is like you can't take punitive action and you can't take <clears throat> you can't shame and blame people into getting better um, because when people are stuck in shame, they will get defensive. They'll do all these things. I don't think it's marginalized people's responsibility to, like, I think it's individual people's responsibility to develop shame resistance. And like, that's their work that they have to do. That's personal. But yeah, I'm worried that I, um, so I'm worried that I've, you know, used shame and blame as a tactic for social justice issues. And it's like, it's a really hard balance because I don't think it's marginalized people's responsibility to coddle people who are harming them. Like, I don't think it's their responsibility to do the labor with the people who who are actively causing harm. Um, And I don't think it's their job to like develop shame resistance for them or be like, yeah, like I got, I definitely
0: miscommunicated because I'm not saying that we need to coddle them. I think shame can do wonders, okay? Like, I think that shame can be useful.
1: I think it- I think guilt can be useful. According to Brene Brown, like, shame makes us look inwards and get trapped in how other people see us and getting afraid of, like, disconnection with other people. It's like the intense fear of disconnection. So I think when people are trapped in shame, Brene Brown has a great, like, mantra, which is, like, don't talk, text, or type when you're in shame. But, and I think I see a lot of people when they get held accountable Talk, text, or type. I think they immediately make a statement instead of taking time and decentering themselves and going, okay, I got to do some work. Like it's, it's, and still making it about them or making them look like they're the, the victim <laughs> of being held accountable. <laughs> But guilt is I feel bad. Shame is I am a bad person. Guilt is I did a bad thing. I, I see what you're saying. Like shame can paralyze. Yeah. Like my, the action that I did was not great versus I am not great because when we're in that mode, we, you know, we'll, we'll act out and we'll, we'll get paralyzed. Yeah. All that. I just realized that every time you say Brene
0: Brown, I think you're talking about Adrian Marie Brown. I love their work, but I, I think it also connects to this. I think that like, you're right. Shame can be, can stop you from progressing. Thank you. They're great too. <laughs> but I do think that there's something about what you said about like shame making you look inward that I think is important. I think that shame is important to feel because sometimes you are being a bad person. <laughs> I would love Trump to feel some more shame. I would. Because I think looking inward is really important and thinking about the ways that you're impacting other people is also really important. But when I think of Adrienne Marie Brown's work, like I feel like there are ways to hold people accountable while still holding space for the fact that they will feel shame and they will feel feel guilt but that 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 doesn't erase the fact that they still need to be accountable like they will be able to see that and like someone does need to be there to hold people accountable it doesn't have to be us like it doesn't have to be the marginalized people who are impacted by that and i was watching a couple of videos like a couple months ago of adrian marie brown talking about accountability uh adrian marie brown said in one of the videos if you're struggling to hold someone accountable if you're struggling and it's hurting you then that's not your person to hold accountable remove yourself that's someone else's person to hold accountable
1: yeah no i i from my personal experiences i can attest to that um for sure (laughs) um yeah it's if the labor is going to cost you it's going to hurt you it's going to cause you more harm when you know it's not your responsibility for people to do this labor right like you know <laughs> it's not ours like these are especially in this case where it's like you have teams of people you have research teams you have you are like doing fine in the world like <laughs> Ah oh, man. Yeah, it's so hard. It's so hard because I agree with you that like we can't, you know, one of the criticisms of cancel culture is like it doesn't give people a chance to be human and like grow from their mistakes because we all make mistakes. None of us are experts in every topic on the planet. You know, we all have we all have like, you know, ableism to unlearn white supremacy, like transphobia, like we all have, you know. I'm sure she did research, but she clearly didn't do enough. I feel
0: like cancel culture, I feel like a lot of people feel like cancel culture is the end, and it's not. Cancel culture was reserved for like so that we as a collective community with like less power and less resources could hold those with more power and more resources accountable. We could be like, no, we're not going to support you anymore. Cancel culture isn't forever. If you, again, are accountable and like do better, you can get uncanceled. It's not hard. Um, Being a good person isn't actually that hard um and like you said like it, it is all this programming and stuff that like informs how we exist in the world and the harm that we cause without knowing or with knowing but the moment that it's pointed out to you like the moment that you know that you've done something harmful is the moment that you're open for judgment for me
1: mm, yeah the response the response yes you can't help what you don't know but once you know I will drag you for filth. do better do better I don't and I don't want to say that like I'm anti cancel culture. I think it's a it's a weird debate to for people in power to avoid accountability for sure, (laughs) Um, because it's like not like usually in this case, it's not people on equal playing fields duking it out. Right. It's like a marginalized person telling a person with power, hey, you're doing real harmful stuff. You hurt me. Even just on a personal level, like if your friend sits you down and is like, you said something that really hurt, like how do you respond in that situation? And if you are if you respond by getting defensive and going, well, but I actually care about you. It's like, well, you're not showing, then you have to listen to me. Like, even just like, I think one of the shitty things about just like being online all the time is we're all little avatars and it's like, there's this weird, you're talking about dehumanization. Like we all have to commodify ourselves constantly online. And I think it gets really tricky where it doesn't feel like we're talking. It's like discourse is so difficult, it feels like, um, which is a little different when you're with a person in a room and you can see them almost. Yeah, be, be empathetic. And it's like, I try to be really cautious about my platform in terms of like, don't talk about shit that you don't know enough about. Be honest about your bias and like be upfront and like your the gaps in your knowledge. Like in academia, you don't go come in saying, I know everything. You go, oh, I know one topic really well. And these other people, if I say something that's like, you know, very base beginner level of an issue. There are experts here who are going to call me out on it. And it's not them being mean. It's them going, you don't know enough. It's like very normal academia to be like, this is not my field of study. I don't feel comfortable talking with any authority about this issue. I just find in real life, that doesn't happen a lot. It's like all, it's all posturing. We all have to look like we're influencers who know every issue. And (laughs) like, it's just so much pressure.
0: (laughs) And I hate that and that's kind of like I mean I mean like in relation to this podcast I kind of like when we're not as structured and when we're like more open to be like making mistakes because I think it's important to model that I think that like you said everything on the internet like we're all avatars so it's all carefully curated and we forget that like people aren't carefully curated curated in in real life like when even when I'm editing this podcast I cut out all of the like the gaps and the stumbles right like we could re-record and no one would know they would think it was like one take. I I don't know. I think that it comes back to the fact that everything like it's based around like punitive justice. And so it's like if you make a mistake, if you don't know, then you have failed. And we forget we're supposed to be learning for
1: our entire lives. We learn until we die. I I think the other thing to point out, too, is that most of this work doesn't happen online. Most of this work is you sitting with your feelings and processing them and working through them in private and like that's okay. You don't need to get attention for trying to be a basically good human being. Like, like with the, all the anti-racism stuff this summer, like the thing I saw over and over and over was like, people don't deserve a cookie for this. Like they don't deserve, like it's not about that because that's still centering your ego and your feelings. Yeah, it doesn't help anyone. Yeah, it doesn't help the people that you are are now realizing our people. (laughs) Yeah, like it's about your image. It's not about how you look to other people, which is a shame response, by the way, is that very conscious. I think the difference, too, is that with everything online, there's just proof of every bad thing you've ever said. Every mistake is like on record, (laughs) especially when you're like a quote unquote public figure, which now we all get to be because we all have like these platforms. (laughs) But it also means we can be accountable. We also need to be like accountable because we're all public right like Uh, we're reaching the end of our time I want to go eat a bread
0: Um, (laughs) I've been eating croissants all day (laughs) oh my god I love them with Nutella that's Uh, so good uh, I've already expressed for myself like what I would want them to do to kind of like atone for this mess which is like give the resources that they have to sex workers to do the same work but better um, and actually learn from us I'm curious like what would what would you want (laughs)
1: Oh man. I mean, besides just ditching the product entirely Um, not telling stories that aren't theirs. Um, any project that's like not by sex workers that's coming out right now when sex work is like reach peak visibility and trendiness and clout like I you know it just feels like people taking up space. Like I, what I would like is I would like her I would like Sarah Jones to ditch Rashida Jones especially. Meryl Streep too but like ditch Rashida Jones. <laughs> or take their money. Ooh. Which I think is what I think that's the argument she would put forward or she will put forward is like, I'm just taking, I think she doesn't want to bad mouth her producers because they have power and she has less power. I think that if her
0: producers are actually trying to make like an honest humanizing film about sex work, then they should be advising her to denounce them and take their money. Right. They should make statements being like, I'm not a sex worker ally. I've let you guys down in the past. This is me trying to be accountable. I'm, make, I'm giving money for this project to
1: happen without me. Yes, do it anonymously. Stop putting your name on shit. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely a big thing, I think. Because, yeah, that's a way to de Um, But I think I, if she is going to go ahead with this project herself, she needs to make some really clear statements about where she stands on decrim, where she stands on, does she understand conflating trafficking with sex work? Does she understand the distinctions there? Does she, you know, stop using the relational, defense, as Austin Channing Brown calls it. Like, I I just need her to demonstrate that she knows even an inkling of, like, what she's talking about. Because like, ideally, this production would be backed, would be made by actual sex workers, um, you know, or the resources would actually go to helping sex workers. But if that's not gonna happen, then I just need to know, I think we just need to know that, you know, she's gonna listen to us and take the right steps of denouncing a couple people involved and... (laughs) (laughs) you know, actually demonstrate that she knows what the fuck she's talking about. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Well. Thank you for letting me get up my rage. Yeah. No, thank you for letting me. I like feel somewhat activated. I guess.
0: <laughs> uh, what are you gonna do to take care of yourself?
1: Are you getting a croissant too? Mm, tea, cat. Um, probably just stream some shit. Yeah, definitely. I hope all sex workers are gonna take care of themselves because we've we've had a doozy of a couple months. <laughs> oh, it just never ends. If you liked today's episode and want to support us, please consider subscribing to our Patreon, patreon patreon.com at Tart with a Heart Podcast. The money you spend there goes towards purchasing equipment, mutual aid funds, compensating our upcoming guests for their time, and paying us to continue creating this podcast. The more money we raise means the more sexy guests we can have on. In return... Subscribers get access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content, sex worker art, bonus episodes, and more. If Patreon isn't your thing, but you'd still like to support us, amplify our voices by sharing our podcast through word of mouth or on social media. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Tart with a Heart Podcast. Where can people find you on the internet, Elizabeth? They can find me at ZoeBellTO on Twitter and at ZoeBellXO on Instagram. Until next time. They can find me
0: on Twitter at at Eliza Lord and on Instagram at OhMyLordXO. Where can they find you?